It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. What up and welcome into another edition of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm James Rapine. It is great to be with you on a Thursday. You can follow on Twitter at James Rapine and at Locked On Bengals and subscribe to the only daily Bengals podcast out there. iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, the iHeartRadio app and wherever you get your podcast as promised on yesterday's podcast after the recording malfunction. I don't know who the hell didn't press the record button yesterday, but whoever it was, he's a jerk and he needs to be fired. Um, anyways, it, uh, it means that Joe Goodberry back for a second straight day. We are recording on this, so you will hear the podcast. You can follow Joe on Twitter at Joe Goodberry, check out his work in the athletic and he is on with us now joe i appreciate the time i promise our production crew yes locked on Bengals has a whole crew is rolling on this how are you i don't believe you about the crew <laughs> is it that is it that uh <laughs> obvious that yeah. there's no production crew wow it was you james you didn't hit the record button uh, don't, what no the production crew we fired them they were temps they are gone now and we we brought in some new Interns, we'll call them. New interns recording this podcast today. I've never done an internship. How would an internship on a podcast work? There has to be that out there for the big podcast, right? This is a big po- what? What, what? Oh, you- I'm sorry. You're right. What are you that, talking? That we have an internship team. What the hell are you? Billy, are we recording? Billy says yes. See, you didn't know about Billy the intern. Is Billy your dog? No, Billy's not my dog. My dog's name is Finley. Billy and Finley aren't even close to the same name. I'm in Cleveland. You, you think that my dog, my dog isn't even up here in Cleveland. He's still in Cincinnati cheering really? on the Bengals in the playoffs. Why'd you leave your dog in Cincinnati? But the family hasn't made the trip up yet. There's oh, jobs and obligation. Yeah, dude, I'm here all alone. Man, living the life. You are living the dream. Look at you. Living the dream? It's the other way. What do you mean? I, I'm, it's the other way. I, I mean, I'm I'm looking, and my favorite team is crumbling. Meanwhile, I'm up here all alone in Cleveland, and up until yesterday, yet see, yesterday it was proof that I'm living the dream. Did Did you see what happened yesterday? I did, and I just Two saw things. it a few minutes ago. Two things. Okay. First one, the Orange County Card Brothers sent me a John Ross jersey. So you know about our bet or our deal, where if Ross got five touchdowns. Um, I, I would have to buy a jersey. Well, now I don't. He's, uh, Max from Orange County Card Brothers sent me a jersey, and I tweeted it out, and there's a link to, to all of his sports merchandise and, and stuff like that on Twitter, at James Rapine. But he sent me that. It's autographed, by the way. He sent me an autographed Chad Johnson card as, as like a farewell present or Christmas present. So how about that? And then Ross gives me a shout-out on Twitter. Why? Because he remembered our bet, six touchdowns. And I told him about it. You remember when I told you I'd, I'd tell I, him about it? I do. He, he remembered that and gave me a shout-out, and uh, it was nice. It was good. It was good that – because you never, you're never aware or, or you're never sure of how aware athletes are and if they know what you say and what they don't say or what you don't say. Ross clearly knows. And I told him, hey, I, I've, been, I've supported you. Media wise, you know, I, I was upfront with him about that. Um, but it's uh, it, it's cool to see that he knows that I've been in 15's corner since he was drafted. 
That is cool. I think that's awesome. I saw it just before we started recording. I, I hopped on Twitter, and I and I and you know just a signed jersey get, getting sent to you. That was awesome in itself. Yeah, it was. Uh, right, because uh, you were going to pay for one, James. And, no doubt. And, <laughs> and now I get uh, an autographed one that says Mister Four Two Two on it. It does say that. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And um, right, and then he 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 recognized it at the same time. That's that's pretty that's pretty cool. And and even though like. From the media aspect, you're not supposed to get too excited about that. Remember, we talked about that when you're in Cincinnati about like you really can't accept things or, or ask for things. But now that you're removed, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. And I told people that I was like, now I get to be more of a Bengals fan than I was because I was covering the team. I was writing about the team much more than I am now. I was in the locker room. I had to ask professional questions and stuff. And now I'm doing that with the Cavaliers and the Indians. So I, I think people, and especially listeners of this podcast, when I, I said I was going to Cleveland, they're like, oh, my God. And I'm like, yeah, but you guys realize I can be more of a fan. I can relate more to you now because it's not my job to cover the Bengals. Instead, it's my job to cover these other teams. So that was exciting. And I think yesterday was the first day in, in a long time where I could look and be like, look at this cool Bengals gear. Uh, you know, I hadn't bought a jersey or any Bengals memorabilia in years and years and years because my goal was to cover the team and eventually I did and I did this podcast and all this stuff and now I can kind of get back to being a fan which I think is a cool feeling it would be cooler if they were good you really gonna go there is no that- I'm just saying because I, I thought about wow. that like, yeah it's cool to be a Bengals fan and then you're like oh yeah but the actual part of being a fan isn't very fun right now let's dive into that joe goodberry of the athletic is with us here on the locked on Bengals podcast the future of the Bengals, bleak i know people up here in cleveland laughing at the idea that marvin lewis or hugh jackson's going to be back next season um and, and we talked about it briefly yesterday i think the team played better on sunday than they had in, in previous weeks and it just it feels like there's still a path for either Marvin to be the head coach next year or Hugh Jackson to weasel his way into that head coaching chair at the end of the season. And there's just there's so much I want to discuss as far as the future of this organization goes. But let's start with Marvin Lewis. It's got to be time. And it's time in everyone's mind. And yet I'm not convinced it's going to be time. How concerned, how worried are you that Marvin will be back for year, was it 17 next year? How concerned are you about that, Joe, from a fan perspective? It's the greatest concern we should have. I mean, there's nothing right now, nothing more detrimental to this roster and this team right now than this coaching staff. And it's more than the offensive line. It's more than limited quarterback play. It's more than injuries. It's that you feel like a lot of these players aren't put in position to maximize their talents. And, and even when they are, you still always end up feeling like they could be better at this position or they could be better at this spot or if they do this or if they do that. And that, any analyst or, or fan can nitpick even the best teams. You, you see some of the comments after the Rams win after, after the Rams lose a game and fans are ready to go nuts. But so that's normal. But at the same time, you just look at so many players on this roster that are underachieving. And I think it's mostly the way we don't get to see behind the scenes with Marvin and that staff and the way he treats the media and the questions he gets. Uh, and, and you see how some of these newer coaches treat the same questions and, and give a full thought out answer. Or if they don't give that, they'll explain the thought process. And Marvin doesn't do that often. He will once in a while. And I think whenever you you have that um 
you know, where you keep everything behind the scenes and, and, and really the distrust with what you're sharing and, and, and giving the fan base, uh, you're going to be seen differently. So I think as they're losing and as Marvin's personality up there when he's taking these press conferences and questions it has rubbed fans the wrong way, I think right now the whole fan base should be worried that it's going to continue down the same path. Josinas Anderson's report said he'll have two weeks to decide or up to two weeks. Well, I can't remember the correct wording, but sounds about right for this organization. Pretty much what happened last year, what happened in 2011. Uh, they'll get together, Mike Brown and, and Marvin Lewis, and they'll decide. And I think some of it, why would the Bengals want that? I don't think they feel they can get a better head coach than Marvin Lewis. And, and mostly that's because they're they're – field of research is small and I feel like their bubble and, and their, their comfort zone is small. So anyone outside seems scary. Uh, and that's why you hear if it's not Marvin, it's going to be Hugh Jackson and, and it makes sense for them, but it doesn't make sense when you step out of the, the Bengals fandom and you look around the league and you say, I don't think any other organization would have kept Marvin for 16, potentially 17 years. And I don't think any organization would hire Hugh Jackson right now. And that is extremely concerning. Yeah. To me, and this is is more of a life thing. Like uh, I think the most successful people, um, owners, businesses, whatever you want to say, they take risks. They take chances. Chances. Now they're calculated. They they don't just oh let's do this and see if it works and see if it sticks. No, they they're educated risks. But like just throughout life, the the most successful people. If you want to go listen to a motivational speech from Will Smith or whoever you want, what do they do? They've taken risks before, and and that to me is the the biggest concern with Mike Brown is he's in his eighties. The, the last thing, he doesn't need to take risks. He feels like he's made it, right? He feels like Marvin Lewis is a pretty good football coach. Now, he might admit deep down that he's not a great coach, but he might think he's a pretty good coach. And if pretty good is enough for him, why would he go out and take a risk when he knows what he's got in Marvin, when he knows what he's got in Andy? That's my concern is the whole mindset of the organization isn't they're not thinking big enough that they'll look at it as and specifically Mike will look at it as, oh, yeah, the team went seven and nine. And I think seven and nine is a possibility, even with all the injuries. We went seven and nine and we had 15 plus guys go on injured reserve, including our quarterback and our best player. Vontez Perfect was fat and out of shape and it was suspended. And once we get all these guys back and have another good draft and maybe add a piece in free agency, a mid-level linebacker, we're going to be right there again. And, and that's my concern is Mike's unwilling to take that risk, to take that chance. You might fail. And you hear a lot of defenders of the Bengals. And, and even in the past, I've done that. You might, if you move on from Marvin Lewis or you move on from Andy Dalton, or you keep Andy and you draft a, a replacement uh, this season and, and let him groom him behind Andy Dalton for a season or two. To me, it, it's a risk that could fail. And you know that going in. But the, the greatest and the most successful coaches in the NFL or NBA or Major League Baseball, they're willing to take that leap knowing if I fail, at least I did it. And to me, it doesn't feel like the Bengals and specifically owner Mike Brown are willing to do so. And I think that's something everyone can relate to, whether that's uh, buying a new house, you know, and going, sure. to, this, going to a new house, uh, starting a new job, James, right? Yeah, Mo moving on, cities from your hometown. Moving cities. Yeah. yeah. All of these are, are similar decisions and you're comfortable with what you have. You know what you have. You know it's relatively successful in your atmosphere, in your in your world. Whatever you're doing right now is relatively successful. And here comes another opportunity or a decision to make. Uh, and it could go wrong. 
that's with everything you do in life. And the fact that the Bengals shy away from what could go wrong rather than the potential to better themselves. If, my, if Mike Brown's thinking is uh, we could get back to where we were in 2011 to 2015, and I wouldn't disagree completely, you know, but if things go right, if you stay healthy, I think this team, I think this team was on the path to the playoffs this year before things really started to unravel. Um, so I wouldn't disagree with them. What I would say is, where were you in 2011 to 2015? Or were you actually good or just good enough to get into the playoffs? Was this team ever really a threat to make a deep playoff run? And you could say 2015, but again, injuries took their toll at the most important position quarterback. And at the end of the day, we have seen Marvin Lewis and we have seen Andy Dalton in the playoffs and it's not pretty. There's nothing to really say it would come out differently in three or four straight games in a, in a playoff run with that duo. So, uh, yeah, they could get back to the playoffs. But is that where we want to be as a fan base, as a team? I would hope they were aiming for something higher. Uh, but everything you hear and, and feel from this team it would suggest that they're not. Yeah, you're right. It's it's concerning and it's frustrating. And I think that's where a lot of Bengals fans are. I think that's why at Paul Brown Stadium on Sunday, there, there will be less than 30,000 people there. Now, the reported number might be higher. There might be more tickets sold. Actually, I'll guarantee there's more tickets sold. But as far as people actually going to the game, it's low. And I've heard people say, oh, well, yeah, Mike's going to look at the attendance. Well, the ticket office, and I know this for a fact, freaked out and, and were very concerned about how they were going to sell the 2018 Bengals when Mike and Marvin decided to, to give it another run. Um, so Mike did that knowing they wouldn't be able to sell this year's team. So who's to say he won't do it again? I could totally see that. Um, but that, that to me is the biggest concern. The other thing, uh, and we've talked about it a ton, but, but at the quarterback position, in, in all of the buzz up here with Baker Mayfield at Cleveland, and, and I, he's a stud. He, he's a stud. Everybody on draft Twitter was right. Uh, I know you liked him. I certainly liked him. He's a really, really high-end quarterback in the NFL, and I think he's just going to get better and better and better. But there's hope here again. Uh, the, the Browns are, what, what are they, 5, 7, and 1? I mean, it's not like they're good, but 5, 7, and 1 is exciting up here. In, in, in Cincinnati, it feels like they're on the downturn. There isn't any hope. There isn't a Lamar Jackson on the bench coming in for Andy Dalton who went down with an injury like there is in Baltimore. There isn't actual Super Bowl aspirations like they have in Pittsburgh. I mean, people are freaking out about Pittsburgh losing a couple games, but they're still in first place in the division. Can you imagine that being the case for the Bengals? Like, it just to me, this is the perfect time for change, whether it's at quarterback or whether it's grooming the next quarterback and drafting one in April. And it still feels, barring a new head coach, like that's not going to happen. And you know what I think would be my argument for why it's the perfect time? Say I'm Duke Tobin, right? And you're the one football guy in that room outside of the coaches that could help influence the decision to um, to move on from Marvin or start a new if, if you were that player personnel guy or GM, you would say, I think we pretty much nailed the 2016 and 17 drafts. And that that core group is going to lead this team. That core group that's 22, 23, 24 years old is who we're going to build. If, if this team does make a playoff run or, or win a championship one day, it's going to be with that guys. Not the, tw not the 2011, 2012, 2013 group. It's going to be the... 
2016, 17, 18 roster, hopefully, or drafts. Um, and that includes, you know, William Jackson, Tyler Boyd, Nick Vigil, Andrew Billings, Christian Westerman, Cody Core, Clayton Fedulum from, from 2016. That is a fantastic draft. 2017, John Ross, if he hits his stride in year three, the same way Tyler Boyd did, um, Carl Lawson, Joe Mixon, Ryan Glasgow was starting off really good, but ended up on injured reserve. I think a lot of people still want to see him. Jordan Evans can help. He may not be the starter we thought, but he is a good, solid pick for the fifth round. Brandon Wilson, also a special teamer. Um, you know, you, Josh Malone, I'd love to see the last three three games. But that's if I'm if I'm that guy saying, listen, now's the time to hit the reset button because you want a young coach with this young group going into that 2020 season, 21, 22, where this team is is hitting its prime rather than trying to hold on to the to that 2011, 12, 13 classes. And you've already lost a lot of those guys, too, in Marvin Jones, Mohamed Sanu, that really good 2013 class. And you look at it like, I think it's time that we understand and realize, and I wrote about this, I think it was last week, but I, I wrote that they're two years away. And I did that because looking at these recent draft class and looking at the gap where 2014 and 15, how they have nobody really contributing from those two uh, drafts besides Darquez Denard, and he's entering uh, the free agency this year and they have to make a decision on him. You can end up with nobody from those two classes. There is a large gap on this team where you're still holding on to that 2011 draft and yet you have these other two drafts that just happened where you feel really good about them and could be the core of your 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 team and you have to decide do you want to still hold on to that old that older roster that older team the guys that are turning 31 32 Andy Dalton AJ Green Geno Atkins Carlos Dunlap in you know that group or do you want to say this next group is probably going to be the one that leads us if we make the right decision at at coach and potentially quarterback to lead this unit um into that next phase and that's that would be my argument, and I think that would probably be um, the best way to look at it if you wanted to argue for why they should honestly take that step. And not that you need much of an argument, but for me, looking at those draft classes would be it. Yeah, it, it, I, that's a, a really good point, and I'm, I'm with you. The last thing I think you should want, and, and this is the argument against Marvin Lewis, I think even if you're an Andy Dalton defender, you you should probably look at the quarterback position and say, all right, they haven't invested a premium pick on one in years. I mean, since 2011. So with that said, they should pick one in the next, in the first couple of rounds in, in April's draft. And, and we could talk more about that. But do you want Marvin being the guy? Do you want Hugh Jackson being the guy? Either one of those being the guy that leads that new quarterback or helps groom that new quarterback? And I think the answer is no. Marvin's gotten two of them. And Carson Palmer, who is one of the most talented quarterbacks in, in the Bengals, he's much more talented than Andy Dalton. Um, and I think that he underachieved here in Cincinnati. And I know he had injuries and things like that. And some of that was Carson's doing um, as far as interceptions and decisions. But but I, I think Marvin's had his opportunity. It's time for someone else um, to get a chance. And, and I want to ask you about the draft, Joe. And uh, Joe Goodberry of The Athletic is with us. Up next, we will also talk about draft position. The Bengals have three games left. They're five and eight. Should you as a fan be wanting them to win? Or should you be rooting for a higher draft pick? We'll talk about that. But first, a word from the official brewery of the Locked On Bengals podcast. There's lots going on at the Wiedemann Brewery and Pub to keep your holiday spirits aloft. Friday night, the Brussels Sprouts will fill Wiedemann's tap room with the sounds of Christmas music and a blend of New Orleans blues. They have a ton of awesome food on the menu. And they added Brussels Sprouts to the menu. 
And if uh, you're into that, go for it. Me personally, I go for the Geta Melt. It's new on the menu. It's something you have to check out. And Joe probably doesn't even know what Geta is, but that's something you have to try if you're an out-of-towner. And if you're not, um, it's certainly something you need to check out at Wiedemann's Brewery and Pub. Saturday rings in the first annual Wiedemann's German Christmas celebration, highlighted by the official release of Wiedemann's stupendous and there's no other word for it, German chocolate cake imperial milk stout. That sounds amazing, and it'll be released Saturday. It's a creamy concoction of deep roasted barley malt, silky smooth chocolate, and tangy coconut puree packed with flavor and obviously alcohol too. 11% alcohol by volume, so you got to try it before it's gone. I'll be there in a couple weeks, and I will certainly have to try that. The fun continues on Sunday, obviously, they have uh, the Bengals game will be on all of their TV. Saturday afternoon, they'll have the Alpen Echoes Band. And don't miss your chance to win a deluxe Wiedemann's Christmas gift basket. A portion of the proceeds benefit the Greater Cincinnati German-American Citizens League. So go to Wiedemann's Brewery, downtown St. Bernard. It's 10 minutes from downtown Cincinnati, not far at all, on Vine Street. The fun continues next week with free appetizers and Christmas bingo on Tuesday night. And so much more. Wiedemann's is the official brewery of the Locked On Bengals podcast. Stop in and pick up a couple six-packs of cold Wiedemann's beer for tailgating on Sunday. They make great Christmas gifts as well. I hope to see you there. For more, check out Wiedemann'sFineBeer.com. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 
Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back into the Locked On Bengals Podcast. I'm James Erpine. It is great to be with you on a Thursday. Joe Goodberry of The Athletic is here. You can follow him on Twitter at Joe Goodberry. And Joe, this has been a theme, a discussion on Twitter amongst fans and uh, certainly something I know you've thought about, I've thought about. When you look at this Bengals team, they're 5-8, and eight, knowing where they're at, knowing that the, the playoffs are, are all but done for this year and all the injuries they've had. Do you want them to win and, and get to 7-9 and nine or get to 8-8 eight and eight and, and still be competitive the final three weeks of this season? Or would you prefer that they lose and get a better draft pick? Oh, man. See, it, the, it's different because I think a lot of people want this team to win always. And I would not argue against that. I would not say you're wrong for wanting the team to win. I want the team to win deep down inside. Even think of last year, and we're going to use last year as a great example for why you shouldn't want them to win. But even in those Lions games, it was really good to see um, them get it going and 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 and, and get this team around, turned around a little bit and get some motivation. And, and I was actually impressed with the way the team turned around under the reports that Marvin was going to be fired. And then Following that was the Ravens game and knocking them out of the playoffs was felt fantastic. It looked great. It may have catapulted Tyler Boyd in the year three, the way they played, right? Uh, and having that confidence at the end. Yeah. Um, so there is some benefits to winning always, of course, building the culture, keeping the winning mindset at the same time. Draft position is huge. It's the biggest capital you can have in the league. Um, look at the Browns a couple of years ago, trading for Brock Osweiler for a second round pick. They basically took on, $18 million in, in cap space for a second round pick. That shows you the value that these teams place on these draft picks, especially premium picks. And we're talking about the difference right now. The Bengals are slotted at the 11th spot, but there are six win teams that are picking 17th right now. They're one win away from picking 15, 16, 17, while they're one loss away from picking five, six. And the difference in that, if you just look at last year, could be a, a Quentin Nelson, a guard on your offensive line that is going to be a Pro Bowl, all-pro player by year two. He's going to make the Pro Bowl this year. It could be a Roquan Smith, that linebacker, that is a cover guy, athletic guy, that is, makes the difference. Or you could pick back half of the first round, and we've seen how that's gone. It's been 50-50. Now, someone may say, well, John Ross was the ninth overall pick. Yeah, but... Honestly, the process of picking Ross wasn't bad. It's just that he has been injured and hasn't been able to contribute for a poor offense in the way we, we would like. Uh, but we'll, we've talked about Ross enough. But point to point I'm trying to make is looking at this draft coming up, it looks deep, deep in that first 10 picks, man, of blue chip players. And now if you're a Bengals fan, that that I feel like there's some correlation here of the Bengal fan that um, – that wants them to, well, you need to draft an offensive tackle no matter what this year. And it, I feel like there's some correlation with them and, and the guy that wants them to to win these last three games. And if you do, well, Jonah, Jonah Williams from uh, Alabama, offensive tackle, probably going to go top seven, top eight, may go top six, elite stud type blue chip left tackle prospect. 
Well, you want to lose these last three games then. If you want a chance at him, now there's other there's two other guys that will probably go top 15, and we're going to talk draft, and we'll get deep into all these guys, and we'll sell you on our favorites and try and, uh, you know, win you away from the guys that you, you may really like that may not fit this team. But right now, if you want to get in there and get a blue-chip prospect, because that's really what this team needs, and if they're going to keep Marvin or if they're going to go to Hugh Jackson, it's not going to be a coaching staff that's going to elevate um, these these maybe guys that have flaws in their games, you're going to need someone that can overcome mediocre or worse coaching. And those are the blue chip guys. That's the, that's the AJ green that would be successful anywhere. And that includes under Marvin Lewis and Hugh Jackson. You need those guys to take this team to the next level. And that could be a quarterback too, in the top eight to 10 picks. So losing and and ending up or winning and ending up in in the, the 14, 15 range it's just not going to help the team in the long run. You'll forget about these losses to the Browns and, and to the Steelers in two years when you have the better player than they do. And that's really what it comes down to. Yeah, I, I agree. It's what it comes down to. He, here's the thing to, to me. What do you like as a fan? Do you outside of it bringing Marvin back? Let's throw that out for a second. And obviously sure. we would probably view that as a negative. Last year, winning those final couple games. Did it matter that much? I mean, did you feel much better about the Bengals season after that week 17? And it was very exciting. I think that's probably the best throw Andy Dalton's ever made to Tyler Boyd. Yep. But but let's say that's incomplete. Do, do you, at this point right now, look at it any differently? And that, to me, is, what, you know, if it was incomplete. That, that to me, is the key. Is having a, a vision, which I think the Bengals lack as a fan. Uh, rooting for them to lose for their own good makes sense to me. And that's where I am. And and what I mean by that is I would love for these young players. You mentioned Jordan Evans, uh, obviously John Ross. I would love to him to continue to build confidence. I would love for these young players to, to build some confidence going into the next season, but winning, I don't think it it matters that much. And you might say, oh, well, winning is is part of it, sure. But if they have success on the field from a personal standpoint and think they have a really good game, I think that's enough. So the the perfect thing for me would be they're really competitive the final three games. They're in every game. And losing to Oakland, it's hard for me to see. I'm leaning towards them beating Oakland because it's Oakland and Oakland's really bad. But let's say they do lose the the final three and, and they end up with the sixth overall pick. That could be. Dwayne Haskins. That could be Justin Herbert. That could be one of the offensive linemen. And to me, that is more important than winning a couple games here, picking in the teens, knowing that this team doesn't trade up. You you have to get the high-end talent. And you want to talk about contributing right away. Those are some of the players that you're talking top five. You you mentioned the tackle. He, He would play for the Bengals right now. And I don't know anything about him. I just know they're so bad at tackle that he would play right now. He'd be the best offensive lineman day one. See, there you go. So that, to me, what would you rather have? A couple meaningless wins that still don't get you to the playoffs and might retain Marvin or root for the young players to do well and not hope they lose but be okay with losing because you know it's probably better for the team long term. And that's the way I look at it is – Better the draft pick, the, the higher the draft capital, the better the player you're probably going to get, which means this team has a better chance to win sooner rather than later. And the other thing is the Marvin factor. 
I mean, my God, if they beat Oakland, which I think is a very winnable game, and I think they're going to be competitive with Cleveland. I really do. I, I think Cleveland might overlook, and they're playing well right now, might overlook the Bengals a little bit going into that matchup. They obviously handled business against the Bengals at Paul Brown Stadium. And if they do overlook them, especially if the Browns win this week against Denver, I could see them overlooking the Bengals. And all of a sudden, Marvin gets his team playing well and knocks the Browns out of the playoffs. How much did we hear that last year? Oh, he knocked the Lions out of the playoffs. He knocked the Ravens out of the playoffs. And all of a sudden, you're seven, you have seven wins. You lose to Pittsburgh at week 17. And not only is Marvin back, but your draft pick is at 17th again. And you're right where you were. I don't want to be mediocre. I wanted to be really good, and it felt like they were going to be really good at 4-1. and one. Well, now they're not. So be 5-11, and 11, be competitive in the final three games, get these young players experience, and get a better draft pick, which I think could do wonders for this team if you're talking about tackle or the future franchise quarterback. And you mentioned earlier how the last two wins of last year changed or gave Mike Brown a new perspective of that they were close. Um, and... You don't want that to happen again because I think the Bengals draft differently when they feel they're close or their fortunes could change the following year than they do when they feel like they need to have a longer vision or or a longer rebuild or retooling. Uh, and I and I say that because you you look at it and they this team doesn't go and attack and fill major needs in free agency. They they may bring in some complementary players, but they're not filling their holes. They're not filling the weaknesses on their roster typically by signing guys. They did make a trade for Cordy Glenn this year. Uh, we discussed that and why that made sense. But what I mean is going out and signing someone. So what they do is they rely on the draft to fill specific needs. And um, when you look at it and you if, when you think you're one year away or when you think we'll be better off next year, you go into the draft and you say, you know what, we need a speed receiver. We really need that speed receiver would really take the top off and help A.J. Green out and really open up this offense. And I think, you know, we can hide some of this, some of these offensive line issues if we add a speed guy. Uh, so no matter what, you know, I think we'll take him. Not that, again, we've defended the Ross pick, but I think that's what helps the mentality of, of being more comfortable with selecting a player like that. I feel like when you feel you're maybe uh, just need a center, we need to get a new starting center in here. We can't go out and sign a guy in free agency. We'll take we'll take Billy Price, even though we wanted Frank Rag now. He went one pick ahead of us. But you know what? We like Billy Price, too. He's the next best center, and we need a starter because we didn't go out and secure that position in free agency. And because we didn't play Trey Hopkins there all these times, we could have uh, because we always felt like we were we were in it and we need to win these last few games. Exactly. So the, they go and they take Billy Price instead of, you know, saying, well, well, what else is out there that we could look at that maybe helps them a year or two down the line, go back to the John Ross pick. If they were, if they were honest with themselves after, after two losing seasons and said, um, you know, maybe, maybe we're farther off than we thought. Maybe this offense isn't the, isn't the right, you know, maybe we should take a quarterback and, and, and let him sit for a year or two years and see where we're at. And maybe that would have been a Patrick Mahomes or a Deshaun Watson. This team would be better off right now for that. So drafting towards the, the future and allowing yourself to be open without thinking you need to fill one or two spots in order to get this team over the hump and back into the playoffs and being more honest with this roster and the long-term look outlook of it. I think that affects their drafting. So losing these games and ending up being five and 11, I think may shine a different light on this roster and say, okay, maybe we are a little bit farther away. And in that case, we can be open to drafting more players and more positions. Joe Goodberry of The Athletic is with us. 
You can follow him on Twitter at Joe Goodberry. This is the Locked On Bengals podcast. Um, given given the idea that you know there there's going to be a tackle, there's going to be uh, Ed Olive, there's going to be some defensive linemen. Obviously, you got the Bosa kid. Who I think is going to go super super high. But there but might then, be six defensive linemen in the top twelve picks. It's going to be crazy. See, so given that, and given you, you just mentioned the depth, I, I think there's a chance. A chance, it might be a slight one, but a chance that one of these franchise quarterbacks falls to four. One of them falls to five or six. If the Bengals are in that range, this has to be the year, right? After passing on Lamar Jackson, not entertaining the idea of Pat Mahomes, not seriously entertaining the idea of Deshaun Watson. And they didn't entertain the idea of Lamar Jackson, by the way. And no one can convince me otherwise. You know why? Because they literally brought him in the locker room with the media there. That's never happened. That that was to show the media that, oh, yeah, see, we're entertaining quarterback. They weren't, and they didn't, and they laughed at the idea of drafting Lamar Jackson. So with that said, regardless of who's the coach, this has to be the year where as early as round one, the Bengals consider a quarterback, right? They have to do it. Like, that's, that's a requirement. At least it would be if I was running the show. I think most teams would, and here we, here we go with most teams versus the Bengals, right? I think most teams... <laughs> would use this opportunity to look for a quarterback or to convince themselves that this is a good opportunity. Number one, I think we know exactly who Andy Dalton is. For And that's not good or bad. We we know who he is. And that's... It's okay. That's okay. Right. Yeah. It's, it's You can do good if the roster is really good, if the coaching staff is really, really well. And, and that's fine, but it's not. Neither of those things are happening around him right now. The roster is really not good and the coaching staff is struggling. So you look at it and say, also... He has been injured or ended up on injury reserve two out of the last four years with a thumb injury. Uh, that should cause some concern. Then you look at it and say, well, there's no guaranteed money left in his deal. They can get out of it without really owing him anything at this point. And then you can also say, well, they've got two years left on his deal. So if you end up picking top 10 now for really three years in a row, because the, or top 12, they would have been, um, three years in a row, they traded back last year, you're in an opportunity um, and you're surrounded by other teams that are also bad. If you're honest with yourself, you're saying we're a bad team with an injured quarterback that doesn't have much left on his contract and a very manageable contract, but he is still under contract for two more years. We can bring a guy in now and we don't have to start him and we can let him sit behind Dalton and for one year. And if you do still, then you can get trade value from Andy Dalton in 2020 or 2019, depending on when you want to trade him. Um, and, that is the best of, of both worlds. That's that's you're getting your guy in uh, a quarterback in the top 10. You're allowing him to sit for one year and still remain competitive next year. Because let's be honest, the Bengals haven't gotten a lot from their first round picks in a long time now. Uh, and, and, and as as rookies, I mean, and then you get trade value from Andy Dalton in return when you're ready to move on and go to the next guy because he has that many years left in his deal. So that is a great combination and a great opportunity to draft that quarterback this year. And people will say, well, they have too many knees. They have too many holes. And you're right. I would agree with that. But you you have more than just the first round pick. Look at the Bengals second round pick history over the last few years. They've nailed it. You're getting a good player in that second round, especially if you're in the top 10. So that could be an offensive lineman. That could be a tight end. That could be a linebacker. Look at the linebackers uh, in, in drafted in the second round. The best linebacker in the league right now, Bobby Wagner, was drafted in the second round. There, are, You can get that guy on day two. Um, so the, the hit rate for quarterback drops off dramatically after the first round. The hit rate for linebackers, for offensive line, stays pretty steady, and, and you can manage it throughout the draft. So... For me, yes, they have a lot of needs, but the team that's going to win it this year is probably going to win it because they have two things, really good coaching, 
elite quarterback play, but they're also going to have holes at different positions. You look at the Chiefs game. Watch the Chiefs Ravens the other day before the Bengals game came on, and the Chiefs aren't even a good roster in a lot of places. They have a lot of holes. They have holes on the offensive line at running back now after Kareem Hunt uh, is off the team. Uh, at, at receiver, they had to sign Kelvin Benjamin because they've had injuries. At corner, they're getting smoked. At linebacker, they've got issues. At safety, on the defensive line, especially inside, outside of Chris Jones, um, who's playing really well. But they have issues on the defense. And you look at the Bengals roster, and it could be comparable in a lot of ways. The difference is they're not getting the coaching and the quarterback play. And so for me, there's nothing that comes first. There's nothing that comes above that franchise quarterback. And if you evaluate any of these prospects as franchise guys and that's the goal and that's the plan i'm not saying draft any quarterback which on the surface does sound good right now but the point is to draft a potential franchise guy that your team and coaching staff believes in so when i'm i'm talking to listeners right now when you're you're going to look at this this draft season you're going to see a lot of quarterback talk you're going to see a lot of quarterback highlights i urge you to watch them get a feel for them yourself how do you feel about that guy and if you watch 10 of them you may come away with just one you may say this is a bad quarterback class, but you may come away with one of those guys that you go, you know what, I really like that guy. I like a lot of what he does. I like a lot of his film. I like his ability. I think if you develop him for a year, that's the guy. And if you feel that way, and every coaching staff will feel that way at least with at least one guy, right or wrong. And and if you feel that way, then that's the pick. That's the one you want to go with because you losing him or bypassing him bypassing John Ross or um, uh, Patrick Mahomes for John Ross is inexcusable, no matter if John Ross ended up being Randy Moss. And you look at it and you say, I can't stomach or I can't uh, um, uh, make excuses for a team that is probably going to be a much different team in two years, bypassing a quarterback that ends up being a franchise guy. So for me, I'm with you, James. I think we need to look at quarterback first and foremost, but be open to every position because if there isn't a franchise guy there that you honestly don't feel comfortable with, because I feel like people throw that out there too often. Oh, this isn't the quarterback draft to do it. I, I think that's that's a little bit of fear of of missing and then having a bust on your roster for the next five years, which is one of the, the scenarios. But if you honestly feel there isn't a guy, then fine, make your case for it. But if there's one guy that you see and that might be it, then that's the pick. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And let's get into the Ross pick a little bit, because to me, and the reason, and those who have listened to Locked on Bengals, obviously you and I were on board with the pick, but we've shut down the idea that they would entertain quarterback, especially that year, because we knew they wouldn't. And that was the problem. That was always the problem. I was always on board. I remember writing about how the Bengals need to look at EJ Manuel, how the Bengals need to look at all these different guys before the draft years and years ago, uh, just to see who's available, who's not available. And it, it to me, it, it's frustrating because now we're in 2018 going into 2019 and we're having the same conversation and it feels like now they might just be getting open to the idea, right? They might and just, that's the argument, right? And yeah, that's and what it, we've it's crazy said. because I've been open to it for six years, as have you, <laughs> because you kind of figured out what Andy was, and then 15 was the breakout season, and then it was literally the broken season. He breaks his thumb, and he hasn't been the same guy since. And when and to go and hammer that last point, or the first point that you made, um, being open to drafting the quarterback is all we're asking for. We're not telling them they have to, or if they don't, they may miss out on that guy or a guy. But all we're saying is be open to it. 
you can't come away and say, well, we didn't think anyone was the guy or we just didn't feel like, uh, you know, or we feel comfortable with Andy Dalton. I want them to truly search and look at it and just be open to drafting someone because I think most other teams, and here we go again, would would have pulled the trigger on a quarterback. You look, look at the, the, the Chiefs are the example, and it's because they, they struck on Patrick Mahomes. And it was the example I did use a while ago was Colin Kaepernick, Alex Smith for the 49ers. That, yeah. And here we go, Alex Smith again with the Chiefs, and we may see it again with the Redskins. But point is, when you have that guy, and Alex Smith and Andy Dalton are extremely comparable, and when you have him that you're okay with, and the Chiefs had success. They went to the playoffs, and they ultimately got beaten. But when you have that some that that little bit of success and that that little bit of comfort, it can carry you for a couple seasons. And then both of these teams, I'm talking the 49ers and, and the Chiefs, they they realize that we have a quarterback sitting in front of us. The 49ers more it was second round for Kaepernick right after Dalton. But for the Chiefs, they said, "Man, we go through this draft process and we're open to the idea of drafting a quarterback." Well, they're going through it and they were picking 27th, I want to say, after a decent playoff run with Alex Smith. And they saw this guy, Patrick Mahomes, and they said, man, I think he is a difference maker. I think he's a franchise guy. I think I think he's got crazy potential. They moved from 27 to 10 to get him. And, like, I can't even imagine the Bengals being that aggressive or doing that. And their Super Bowl window has never been wider. A year later now, his first year starting is their first real chance to actually win something. And it's only because they changed the quarterback from an okay guy that they were comfortable with in Alex Smith to a guy that seemed risky and and a wild card to a lot of people and a lot of fans. They went to him, and now their Super Bowl window is cracked wide open again and they have a legit shot to win it this year and to me that's the case you need right there you show that and you say listen yeah it could go wrong a lot of things can go wrong you could lose Andy Dalton and and things go wrong we saw it in 2015 or a lot of things can go right if you're just aggressive enough to make that decision Joe Goodberry of The Athletic is with us a few more minutes here on the Lockdown Bengals podcast the last point I want to make or one of the last points at least about the idea of drafting a quarterback and why I don't want it to be Marvin Lewis has nothing to do with X's and O's. Um, I don't believe, in, in fact, I, I know, I'll, I'll say this with confidence. Marvin Lewis did not believe and did not want to pick John Ross. That I'm 100% certain about. You and I did. Um, I think wide receiver coach James Urban did. But there were people in that room, the front office, I think certainly did. You're talking about um, j- just the, those guys at the same time because they were going to go after Will Fuller. Right. So Will Fuller is the same guy. Only John Ross, I think, was a better prospect coming out. So they get Ross a year later. They take him ninth overall. And Duke Tobin, I think, was fully on board with it. Marvin Lewis wasn't. And the reason I would not keep Marvin, especially if you're going to draft a quarterback, even if he doesn't start in year one. And I I think that that's the most likely scenario, which is a fine blueprint. I'm fine with that. Um, But if that's the case. Then, then to me, you have to move on from Marvin, and here's why. He's probably not going to be on board with taking a quarterback. Marvin Lewis will be in year 17. He wants to win now. He wants to try to get – he'd much rather have a better left tackle uh, for Andy Dalton than he would a young quarterback that he's not going to be here to, to see develop and grow. 
And, and so if he doesn't buy into the pick, we've seen how they've handled John Ross. And I think that, that, it's been awful. They've clearly they clearly don't believe in him. There's multiple coaches that have talked to me about how they don't believe in him. And yet I see him and he's got six touchdowns. I see him and in, in the red zone, they've been creative with him and it's worked. And yet outside of the red zone, they aren't creative with him. They don't try to scheme him open and it hasn't worked. And it, it, it destroys me and it makes me so frustrated. And to me, I want players to have a chance in the way if you're a young quarterback to have a chance is you get a, a coach who believes in you. Andy Reid was all in on Pat Mahomes, mm-hmm. period. That was it. Um, and that's why I think, obviously, he's really, really good, but he's also having success. Why? Because of that. John Dorsey here in Cleveland, all in on Baker Mayfield. You know who else was? Hugh Jackson. Hugh Jackson loved Baker Mayfield. It was his favorite quarterback, favorite quarterback in the class. Now, People up here don't like that he didn't start right away, and I get the gripe. At the same time, you have to believe in him, and you have to think that's the guy. And to me, I think Marvin Lewis won't believe in the quarterback, won't think it's the guy, would rather have an offensive lineman or a tight end or whatever position you want to talk about just on the outside looking in. And if that's the case, that's setting up that quarterback to fail, which I also think Ross, who's biggest believer James Urban, is no longer with the team and got fired or let go as of last year, um, I think that that's, that's part of it, too. That's a factor. You need people in your corner in any job in any industry that believe in you. And that's part of the reason why Ross's confidence probably was shaken last year is his coach didn't believe in him, and he knew it. If I know it, someone's told Ross it, and the last thing I want is a young quarterback to come in and not have the, the backing, the support of the head coach. You've alluded to it, and I've asked people on the staff, why not go to Ross here? Or why not design this for Ross? And then, well, he can't catch, is the response I've gotten. Or, well, he doesn't, we're not sure he's going to even run the right route. And even if any of that is even remotely true, even to a, a small extent, because he's had some drops, but I don't think it's anything crazy. And he has had apparent route miscommunications. Even if that is remotely true, he was the nine overall pick. He's one of the most talented players on the roster. You cannot have that mentality with with that guy you cannot do that plus he's openly talked about mentally having hurdles from his rookie year of having his own confidence being shaken a little bit and, and not what that can do to you and you hear stories all the time about um professional athletes that cannot overcome their own uh, uh mental box of of what they can and can't be and a lot of it comes from the coaching staff and a lot of it comes from their own uh, you know questioning and self-doubt of Maybe I don't belong here. Maybe I can't do this. Maybe they're right. And so when the coaching staff or a member or anyone on that in an organization has that belief about a high pick. Now, if they want to believe that about Cody Core, I don't got a problem because you're not invested in Cody Core. But if you have that feeling about John Ross, that's scary because you need him. You need him to be to do more. You need him to be better. You need to coach him and get him into that mindset where he can be exactly who he was at Washington. And I think the flashes have shown that he can get there. So that's why it's it's alarming to think that anyone on the staff could feel that way. And then to, to the point of they don't scheme enough for him, and, and it's only really they're scheming in the red zone because that's really how this offense as a whole is really only scheming in the red zone and not you know between the 20s. It, it's alarming that to think that they could also draft this next quarterback that would – you don't want to coddle them, right? Because you feel like they coddle Andy Dalton that time. Yes. They won't bring in real competition for him. Always coddle him. Right. You've so got to you make things easier on Andy. Right. So while you do that for the quarterback position, but you're not doing that for other positions, that it looks like they may need it at the time. 
it's concerning. And um, you would hope that if it is somebody that, from the staff that's making that decision on the next guy, um, you hope it's it's not going to be tinkered with or ruined by a coaching staff that, honestly, I maintain is getting the worst out of the majority of these players. Out of 53 guys on this roster, 50 of them are probably underachieving or playing just at the baseline level of what our ex- expectations are. And that's not a recipe for, for winning anything and winning a championship. You look at every other team around the league that are, that is good right now. And all the, all the time, Patriots pulling guys off the scrap heap or getting production out of guys that other teams couldn't. And it comes down to coaching and using them correctly and getting them in position to su- succeed. This Bengals team is not doing that. And it's very scary. And if that's, you know what, I I would listen to the, to the guy who doesn't want to draft a quarterback if his best argument is, I don't think Marvin Lewis is going to get the best out of him and it'd be a wasted pick. Then I'd say, you know what? You might be right. And I'd end the case right there. Yeah, you're right. I, th- that is, that's the best argument against quarterback. And th- that's the last thing I want. He's Joe Goodberry of The Athletic. You can follow him on Twitter at Joe Goodberry. Joe, thank you so much for back-to-back podcast. What do you got coming up on The Athletic? Film reviews, player evaluations. I've got some long stuff that's coming out, and it's been in the works for a while. Um, I'm kind of waiting on a few things to either happen during the season or confirmation of coaching changes because I'd like to. I've got a. I'd like to dive into potential candidates for the coaching job, and I'm trying to do my own research, trying to figure out who these guys are outside of their team success and the X's and O's that they show on tape. A lot of it, and you would never have known Sean McVay was going to be Sean McVay unless you were able to see him talk, get into his mind, interview him. And now we're not going to be able to do that as fans and some, you know, low end media guys, right? But we want to see this stuff, and that's what you want to know, and that's what you is really going to make the decision on the next guy that could be it. And you know, I want to be able to jump into that, but I'm stopping myself because it's probably going to be Marvin or Hugh, but I'm still waiting and I'm still going to do the research and have something ready for when that does happen. In the meantime, we're going to evaluate these last three games, look at the players that are worth keeping, worth building around. I think guys like Christian Westerman, if he continues to play, could be their best offensive lineman going into the offseason. I think someone like Andrew Billings has really taken that next step in in year three and in the second year healthy. So I'm going to focus on those guys, focus on some of the young guys that are actually playing well. Look at Dar- Darquez Denard and try and start to the, the to find the answer on, is he worth bringing back in the offseason or not? And, you know, that's that's the plan for the next three weeks. Good stuff from Joe. I'll be back at it tomorrow for one final Locked On Bengals podcast of the week with a prediction for Sunday's game against Oakland. We'll talk more about that uh, on tomorrow's podcast. A quick reminder, you can subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, the iHeartRadio app, and wherever you get your podcast. On Twitter, at James Erpine, at Locked On Bengals. Thank you so much for listening to the Locked On Bengals podcast. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. 
Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.